We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you this morning. Who is glad to be in church today on the second Sunday of January? Man, I don't know about you, but I just felt the presence and the power of God in the room as we were worshiping. I was just sitting there and I just so caught up in church. I'm like, oh, I got to get up and speak this morning. It's kind of one of those mornings that honestly, um, I just feel there's resurrection power in the room. And as we were singing God of Miracles, I believe we were singing more than a song, that as we sing the words to that song, we're, we're declaring, we're declaring over the atmosphere, we're declaring over our lives that we are worshiping a God of Miracles, that the, the God that we read about in the Bible is still very much alive today. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe it, that the things that we are praying into and that we're believing for, that, that God is actually moving, he's actually doing some things on the earth, and, uh, and I think sometimes it can be discouraging to look at the news and the media and everything that's going on. Um, let, me, let me, before I get into the message, because, man, God has really just put a lot in my heart this morning to share with you. And we are in week two of an, a new message series that we started last week called Sword and Shovel, based on the book of Nehemiah, Sword and Shovel. And as we enter into a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church, and we've invited many of you, even if you don't attend Hope Church, to join in us in this season because it's more than 21 days of prayer and fasting. What it is is, is we are intentionally putting aside some things so that we can intentionally have some time to seek God, to, to get alone with Him, to put away the things of the world, and to really be able to focus on Him. And I don't think we do that enough, do we? I think we live in a day and age where there's so many distractions right in front of our face, so much marketing and advertising bombarding us every day that oftentimes the news feed of our life becomes the social media news feed. It's what we listen to. It's what we let into our spirits. It's what we get in our minds. And sometimes we need to decouple ourselves from those things to give some room and space for the Holy Spirit to speak truth to us, to remind us of who God is, to remind us of who we are, and to do a new thing in our life. Amen? Amen. So let me just take a moment. I, I would feel amiss as a spiritual leader to not address some of the things that I'm seeing happening in our country right now. As many of you know, um, as a church, we've had a burden to pray for our nation. As a, as a local pastor, my wife and I, we've been praying for our nation. We've been burdened for our nation, much like Nehemiah was burdened for his nation that needed to be rebuilt. I feel like uh, this is more than a message series. It is timely in the fact that unless we get the heart of God and get a burden from the Lord for our nation, we're in trouble. And I think if there's anything that we've realized over this last year is that God has been bringing to light things that were happening in the dark. And things that weren't as apparent to us have become very clear and apparent. I thought it was funny. Somebody, um, a, another pastor had mentioned that as we went into 2020 last year, it was supposed to be the year of vision. It was supposed to be the year where we got clarity. And 2020 was supposed to be the year of 2020 vision. And, and how now we look back on that and we could laugh about it and think, boy, well, boy, we missed that one. But, but the reality is they were making this point, and I agree wholeheartedly, that what we thought 
we were going to see isn't what God had in mind for us to see. That actually we did get 2020 vision in 2020 because God brought to light things that were hidden. He brought to the surface things that he wanted us to see because I believe that he's trying to wake up the church. He's trying to get our attention. And I don't know about you, but watching some of the events that have unfolded this week, the, the Georgia Senate runoff, and listen, no matter your political persuasion, this isn't, this isn't about being a Democrat or being a Republican. This is about being a citizen of heaven. This is about caring about the things that are near and dear to the heart of God, no matter what side you're on politically. So, so hear my heart this morning. I'm not trying to advocate for one or the other. Quite honestly, um, yeah, I have, I have personally a political persuasion, one that I'm registered with, but I always vote for who I think that represents the values that God wants to stand for. That's how I vote. And so I don't care as much what, what it says on your ticket as as much your heart and what, what you stand for, the values that you're going to uphold, and those types of things. So um, as, I, as I was watching the things that happened this week, honestly, I got a little bit depressed. I did. For a couple days, I just got in this funk. I was just in this funk watching some of these things appalled in, in honestly, a little bit shock and awe and unbelief, as many of you probably felt the same way as we're watching some of these things unfold, saying, how, how is this the United States of America? How did we get to this place? And I think what we saw and what we witnessed is, is terrible, and I don't condone it at all. But I think it's a byproduct of something that has been building in this country, and that is that people are frustrated. They feel hopeless. They, they're angry. They feel that there's this chasm, this division that has happened in our country, and people don't know what to do about it. And so they're reacting out of frustration and emotion and, and a desire deep inside to see change, but not really knowing how to help as just a, a normal, everyday citizen of the United States. And for many of us, I think we fall there. So here, here's what I would say to you as a pastor, and here's where I'm landing. That first and foremost, my citizenship is in heaven not on earth. I'm an American citizen, but before I'm an American citizen, I'm a citizen of heaven. Amen? And, and when I look at Jesus' ministry on earth, he came at a time of political unrest. There were many that were hoping that the Messiah would come and he would rise up and raise up an army to overthrow the Roman Empire, which was oppressing the Jewish people at the time. There was people, the Sadducees, the Zealots of the day, were constantly asking Jesus, do something, take up arms, take force. And Jesus was constantly reminding them that his concern, first and foremost, was the kingdom of God. He came to set people free in their hearts, not necessarily from, from the, the, the government that was over them. And so we have to, as the people of God, stay focused on our main mission, and that is to see people's lives changed through the hope that we have in Jesus. Listen, there is no, no amount of anything that we can do to try to change Washington right now except Number one, pray. That is our first and foremost response is that we need to be a people of prayer. We need to be on our knees praying for our nation daily. The second thing that we can do is that we can be more concerned about people's hearts. Listen, the world was changed. Acts 4.13 
They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John because they were ordinary, unschooled men, and they noticed that they had been with Jesus, and they were turning, they said, these are the men that are turning the world upside down. How did they do that? Not by trying to change their political uh, government, but by trying to change people's hearts. The way this nation is going to change and the only hope for this nation is a move of God in power sweeping over this nation, changing people's hearts back to the Father. That's what's going to change this nation. So number one, we can pray. Number two, we can be focused on stay on mission. We're called to make disciples. We're called to be the church of Jesus Christ. We're called to take this message and take it out into the streets, into our neighborhoods, into our offices. And I believe that a lot of what we're seeing right now in our nation is a direct result of the church being asleep at the wheel. We, we have become too comfortable sitting in our pews and not uncomfortable enough with what's happening out there to actually do something about it. So that is, that is the third thing that I would say that we need to do, is that we need to be a people of action. We should be getting involved in our culture. What we're seeing is a direct result of us not being more involved in our society, in our culture, being more of an influence on it than it is on us. We've allowed the world to influence us too much, and we need to turn the tables. We need to be an influence in the world. Amen? That means some of you might need to get involved in local politics. Come on, I think... We need to change some things. We need to stop complaining on social media and start doing something about it. We need to start praying. We need to start getting involved in our local government, in, in state government, in national government. We need to pray that God would raise up godly men and women to be leaders in this nation that would go to, to Capitol Hill, that would evoke change. We need to pray for President-elect Biden and Kamala Harris. We need to pray for them. Come on, more than ever, we need to pray for our leaders that God would grip their heart and change them and do something in them and use them to turn our nation back to God. Amen? Amen. So can we start off by praying for our nation this morning? I just have such a burden. Would you pray with me? God, we just give you our nation right now. Father God, we pray and we declare that the only hope for change in this nation is you, God. God, we ask that you would release your revival fire once again. God, that you would burn up anything within our soul that isn't of you. God, would you turn our hearts back to you in this nation so that we would return to one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. God, would you awaken us, your church, God, to step into our calling to make disciples of all nations, to go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them everything that you teach us in your word. God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us and show us ways that we can be more of a change, that we could be the light of the world. God, help us to be a light in this nation. God, we pray for President Trump. God, we pray that you protect him, surround him. God, we thank you for his service. God, we pray that you speak to him as to what you have for him and his family. God, we also pray for Vice, uh, President-elect Joe Biden. God, we pray that you would touch his heart. God, that you would move in his life. God, we pray for revival for him. God, we pray that you would give him your wisdom to lead our country back to you. And God, most of all, we pray that you do something in our heart. Do something in our heart, God. Let revival begin in us. Let change begin in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen, amen. So good. All right, I've got to transition very quickly, so I just want to take a moment to welcome you. All of you are joining us online, and many of you are joining us from Eureka. Um, we are in week two of this message series, Sword and Shovel, where we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. I couldn't think of a better book to be going through at the beginning of 2021. And so I'm going to jump in. Last week, if you missed last week's message, you're going to want to go back and hear that message. Don't miss your moment. I believe that we are in a moment, and we are in a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting where we are giving God some moments of our life to do something. And today, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, turn quickly with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. I am using my brand new calfskin Bible that my wife gave me for Christmas with large print. Getting old kind of sucks, doesn't it? I hate it. I hate it. But it helps me read. <laughs> yes. No, seriously, there's nothing like, I mean, I love my, my version Bible, but there's nothing like holding the Word of God in your hand and turning some pages, getting old school. We're getting old school this morning. We're going back to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to glean from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. 11 through 13. The whole title of this passage is Nehemiah inspects Jerusalem walls. Now very quickly, let me get you caught up to speed of where we're at in this book. Last, the first chapter, um, Nehemiah's brothers come from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is laying in, in ruins after years of being taken captive by the Babylonians, by the Persians, and um, being in captivity hasn't been good for the people of God. Uh, their, their homeland is just a mess. It's in ruins. And, and Nehemiah's brother shows up to the citadel where Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king, which is actually a pretty high position um, within the royal court. And they show up, and Nehemiah asks him a question. And I love that he asks him. He, he asks him, he says, tell me about my homeland. Tell me about what's going on there. And as they share with him, they share with him that it's in ruins, that, that people are in, in a disgrace, they're in scorn, um, they're in shame, and something grips Nehemiah's heart. Something comes over him. He gets this, I would call it a God burden for his nation. And it says that Nehemiah stops in the middle of that, and instead of doing what a lot of us do, which is we just keep moving on in life, he actually sits down and he takes a moment to mourn. He takes a moment to weep. He takes some days to pray, to fast, and to not miss the moment and to just let it go by, but to really take in the heart of God and to let it go deep within his soul. And as he does that and as he begins to pray, he comes up with a plan that he's waiting for the right time to talk to the king and ask him if he'll give him permission to go back home now. And so he has a whole plan together where he's going to go back to Jerusalem, but he knows exactly what he needs. He needs the king to help him, to give him some timber and all this stuff to rebuild the wall. And he asked the king permission. The king, uh, God grants him favor with the king. God, the king grants him permission to go back home. And so he goes. And so this is where we pick up the story. It says, I went to Jerusalem. I went. He started doing something about it. I think this is the problem with most of us is I'm not very good. I, there's a lot of things that go around in this head of mine of ideas and things that I want to do. 
I don't know about any of you. Maybe you have some Pinterest boards, that, things that you pinned, recipes that you're just going to make that are going to be awesome, that you're going to redecorate your house, and, and you're going to change your life. I think sometimes we go into the new year, and we have all these grandiose ideas of all the change that we're going to make, all the things that, that are going to change. But there's something about actually doing something about it. And Nehemiah doesn't just get a burden from the Lord. He doesn't just pray. He doesn't just get a plan. He actually starts to do something about it. I went to Jerusalem. And after staying three days, there's also something about three days, isn't there? Three days. I don't know about you, but beginning a time of fasting, the first three days are terrible. The first three days of the worst. I always tell people, don't give up because the first three days are the worst. But there's something about a death a burial, and a resurrection within three days. There's something about turning a corner after three days. There's something about giving God some time and some, something to work with. And sometimes when we just give him a little bit of time and space, there's something that happens within our spirit. Things that, that feel like death. Come on. I don't know about you. My fast is going pretty well. I haven't touched broccoli or beets in a week. And I'm just killing it, man. I'm killing it. I'm feeling pretty dang good about it this morning. But three days, something turns. He says that after staying three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for, for Jerusalem. And there were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And by night, by night, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well. Through the jackal well and the dung gate. You don't want to go through that gate examining the walls of Jerusalem. You want to underline that in your Bible. Some versions say inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Now I'm going I'm to skip down to verse 17. Verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer turn the page. We will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said about me. I love that. I told them about the gracious hand of God on me. Is anybody grateful this morning for the gracious hand of God on your life? That even though we should be a lot further ahead on the journey, and even though some of our walls have been broken down and some of the foundations of our life have cracks in it, and we got some openings we need to take care of, I am grateful this morning for the gracious hand of God on my life that he doesn't leave us the same. That we come into his presence this morning and his plan is that he wants to change us and transform us into to become more of the people like Christ. And here's the kicker in verse 18. And they replied together. We're on this journey together, church. Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that challenges us, that convicts us, that changes us. 
God, would you help me this morning? I can't do this without you. I surrender this time to you, this microphone to you. It's yours, it's your time. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Would you anoint my words? God, everything that I've studied and prepared, I just put on the table for you. And I say, you say what you wanna say. I'm just your mouthpiece this morning. And God, now I pray for the people that are hearing this message. Would you do me a favor? Would you just put your hand on your heart? God, I pray that you would touch every heart. I pray for every single person that is present, every single person that is watching online. Will you open our hearts this morning to receive everything that you have for us, God? I pray that it would be, your word would fall on good soil this morning, that your word would be like a seed planted in us, that it would produce the life, the fruit, the power, the peace, the joy, everything that you wanted to accomplish this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. And God, I pray that we would leave this place not the same, that we would leave changed. Amen, amen, amen. Can you say amen? Can we give Jesus a, a shout of praise? Can you give him a hand clap this morning? <laughs> Title of my message this morning is simple. Begin the good work. Begin the good work. I can't tell you how many times that that I've, I've thought of things that sounded good, that were good work in my head, but I never actually began what God put in my heart to do, or I got a thought about something that was a God thought. I read in my Bible, and God spoke to me a word, and instead of putting it into action in my life, instead of obeying it, it, it just got lost in all the other thoughts that run around inside this brain with over 6,000 or whatever, 60,000 up to, I think for men it's a lot less than women, how many thoughts we have in a day, right? Guys, we're a little bit more simple. Um, if, if you haven't noticed, like, they just talk to women. I talk to my wife, and she's got all these kind of thoughts, and I'm like, baby, I haven't even had my coffee this morning. I, that's all I'm thinking about right now. I just got to get my head on straight. Can I get an amen? And, and yet, there's so many things that oftentimes in the moment, you could be in a church service just like this, and God could speak something to you, and, and we could even write it down, and then when our feet hit the pavement and we leave this place, or we go to work in the morning, we don't begin the good work. We actually don't start engaging in the things that, that God is calling us to do and wants us to do. I, I liken it to this. Philippians 2, uh, 12 through 13 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as much as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And if, if anxiety is starting to build up in you just in, in reading that scripture, oh my gosh, I've got to work out my salvation. How am I supposed to do that? Oh, wait a minute. You need to read verse 13. Because Paul reminds us that as we partner with God and allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on some of the things that he wants to work in our lives and work into our lives and work out of our lives. Do you know that working out there's something about working out. There, there's things that we work out of our life, and there's things that need to be worked into our life as we're working them out. And salvation isn't just a one-time decision that we make at the end of a service where we raise our hand and say, yes, I'm going to follow God. That actually biblical salvation, one of the words for salvation in the original language in the Greek is the word sozo. The word sozo is, is a more comprehensive. I think God looks at salvation differently than we do. Don't you, Pastor Josh? 
that, that it is a daily thing, that, that we live in this now but not yet kingdom to where we are saved, yet we are continually being saved. Like, we, we didn't just sign up to be saved so we could go to heaven. That, that God's plan and purpose in our life is that there would be things that we'd, we'd be continued for what that word says, to be healed, to be delivered, to be set free, to be made whole. That's God's plan and salvation. And yet many of us don't have a correct understanding of what that really looks like. So, so even though that I am saved, and even though right now you are saved, if you have received and made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior of your life, that we are continually being saved. And Paul is reminding us that this journey is just beginning, that we're never finished continually allowing God to do the work that he wants to do in us, but it's a partnership between God and us. Paul is reminding us this morning and I'm reminding you, and I believe that Nehemiah is also reminding us to begin the good work, that there are things that God wants to do in your life and in my life, and that as we begin 2021 during this time of prayer and fasting, that the way we begin is we inspect the walls. We take a moment, that's what we're doing. We're not just going through the motions of doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, that part of the purpose is to have a prayer like David prayed. Search me, O Lord, and point out any wicked way in me. In other words, there are places in our life that are broken. There are walls that have been broken. There's foundational cracks in the foundation of our faith that we don't readily see until we stop for a moment and give God some space and give God some time to say, there's the crack, there's the broken piece of the wall, there's the door that has been burned down. And Paul is saying, listen, we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This work that we're about to begin, this isn't something that you, Paul's isn't saying be afraid of it, but he, what he's saying is have a holy reverence for it. Like this is a holy work. This is, this is how God works holiness into the holes of our broken down walls of our heart. That there is something about it. We should, we should, man, I think this is lacking in the church today. That, that, that there, we need to return to a, a place where we revere the holiness of God. Where we take it serious. Like we don't get into this sloppy grace where, oh yeah, I sinned again. You know, that's one of the things that drive me crazy. I love, I love men's groups and men, men's Bible studies. In fact, that's one of the things of this church that I love about this church, that we are a church that believe in men and we need to raise up godly men and we need to empower godly men to lead our homes. I think that's one of the problems with this nation right now is the lack of godly men taking a place of leadership, not only in our homes, but in this nation, in our communities, in our churches. And, and I believe that as godly men take their place on the wall of rebuilding the wall and rebuilding the broken places of our lives, we're not just rebuilding ourselves, we're rebuilding our marriages, we're rebuilding families, we're rebuilding communities, we're rebuilding churches, we're rebuilding schools. Come on, somebody. You gotta get a holy fire in you. You got to get to a place where you're sick and tired of the status quo. And man, we got to stand up. And we got to do something about it. And Paul is reminding us that this is, this is a holy thing. This is something we should be, we should have a reverence for. This is a holy work that God is doing. But as we engage in that work, 
The very next verse, he says, for it is God who works in you to do his good. Look at his will to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do you know that God has a good purpose for you? He's got a good plan for your life, and our job is to lean into that. And so let me, let me share with you a couple of thoughts about walls. Because I believe even though Nehemiah was engaging in this process of physically rebuilding a wall, I believe spiritually speaking, all of us, we can take a moment to allow God to put his finger on the broken walls and doors of our life. And here's the thing about walls. Walls can either protect you or they can imprison you. I'm going to say that again, and you need to let that sink in. Walls can either protect you or imprison you. What do you mean by that, Pastor Lance? In the beginning, the way that God set up this whole relationship between us and him is he put, he put Adam and Eve in a garden, a place of protection, a beautiful place, a place where there was no lack, there was no want, there was no sin, there was no death, there was no disease, there was no weeping, there was no crying. It was paradise. It was a beautiful place. And all God wanted to do was have this relationship with you and with them where he walked in the cool of the day and they talked and they, they had this beautiful relationship and, and they took ownership of what God had created. He put them in a place of protection and he said this to them. He said, you're free. Let me remind you, God started with a statement of freedom. You're free to eat of any of the trees of, of, the, of the garden. They're all good for eating except do not eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of it, surely you will die. Now we know that, that Adam and Eve didn't die when they disobeyed God. God gave them a commandment. The commandment was for their benefit. It was for their protection. It was for their life. It's so that they can experience the life, the fullness of the life that God had. In God's commandments, this is the whole reason I'm going to take you back and show you this is the whole reason. Oh, God help me. Y'all need to pray for your pastor. I feel like I got a T-bone steak on an appetizer plate this morning to work with. And I'm already behind time. Pray for me, Pastor Josh. He put them in that garden and he gave them commands to protect them, not to limit them, not to withhold from them. But the enemy of their soul and our enemy of our soul comes to us and say, look at everything out in the world. Do you really want to be a Christian? Do you really want to follow God's commands? Because they're really restricting. Come on, God never meant the things that God, that we think are restrictions, actually protect you. They're, they're walls that God puts up in our life to protect you just like he tried to protect them. But all of us, we have an enemy of our soul. God actually calls the devil the spirit, the God of this world. And he comes to Adam and Eve, and he gets them to question God's word to them. Did God really say, if you eat off of this, that you will die? And Eve comes back, and he, she says to them, yeah, he actually did say that. And he said, no, 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 no. Let me tell you the real truth. The real truth is God is withholding something good from you that he doesn't want you to eat off that tree because he knows that if you eat off that tree that your eyes will be opened and you'll become like him. And there was something that was appealing to Eve and the reality is, is she already had what he was, he tricked her, he deceived her. And this is the nature of sin, it deceives us into thinking that God doesn't have something I need. Like I need to get it for myself. 
I need to take care of myself. I want to become my own God. I want to make my own rules. That's what the, knowledge of, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil really was. It was deciding, just like we're seeing in our culture today, moral relativism. I'm going to be the one to decide what's right for me. I'm going to be the one to decide what makes me happy. And God, you're not going to withhold from me. And we know the story. She ate of the apple, and, and they didn't die physically, but something spiritually died inside of them. Sin entered them, and the walls of protection moved away as sin entered in. It opened them up, and now they had a slave for work. Now at the sweat of your brow, you're going to till the land. And it, it seems like now it's hard to work out these things in us because there's a spiritual work, and it's painstaking. This, is, this work that we're beginning on, it's not easy, it's hard. In fact, um, do you know that there was already a, a season where the Israelites tried to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and they failed because their enemies took them out. Do you know that when they started the rebuilding and they were allowed to go back to their homeland, only roughly about 2% of the uh, Jewish population actually went back home? Why? Because they'd given up. They'd given up believing in faith that God could actually rebuild the walls. They got comfortable where they were. They allowed themselves to get comfortable in, in a new environment with different gods and a new culture, and they just gave up. I think this is the problem with a lot of us. We've been here before. We've started out the new year. We, we've, we, we've begun the work. We've tried to change. We've, we've engaged even in things of God, and we haven't seen the change happen. And because we haven't seen the change happen, we've given up. We've just kind of settled in to a lesser life where, where we've allowed ourselves to sink into this lower version of who God made us to really be. And we've accepted it. And we start to live in this area. And, and in doing so, we're missing out on the life that God has for us. Do you know how these walls got broken down in the first place? If you go back and look, God had warned them, the people of Israel, several times. Turn from your ways. Turn. He sent prophets. How many times has God warned you? Listen, I want you to change. You don't understand. And it's not um, because he wants to punish you. The world can do that. Our own sin punishes us. Our own bad choices, our own bad habits, they're punishment enough. God cares enough about you that his commandments in your life and his word to you, just like he, he gave the word of the prophets to them, was to wake them up because he doesn't want you to get outside of his protection and his plan and his purpose for your life. But when we choose to do it enough, God says, okay, if that's what you really want, I'll respect your will and I'll remove my hand of protection off of you. And as soon as God removes his hand of protection, we become vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. God removed his hand, and that's what, by the way, that's what we're in danger in at the United States of America. That if we don't listen and take the heed and warnings of God, that God at some point He's going to remove, maybe it's already happened, I don't know. But at some point, he's going to say, if this is your will, if you want to live apart from me, if this is what you really want, I'll respect that. And I'll remove my hand off you. Have your way. And the problem is, as soon as we do that, we open ourselves up to the potential of sin, to the woundings. And so we have these, these gates, if you will, that we've got these gaps in our soul that we allow the enemy of our soul to come into. And once he gets in, man, 
that ain't a good day. And all of us know what that's like. So I want to remind you, there, there's three, the, the scripture is clear. There's three things that always open the door to our soul to allow the enemy in and to let sin in. In 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it says this, do not love the world. See, it all starts with your heart. You're, the walls, the Bible says, guard your heart. For out of it, like the most important thing that you could do in your life, it says above all else, above everything else, this should be the most important thing as we engage in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flows the wellspring of life. Like, do you know how the walls started? Do you know what, what happened when the enemy came to attack? They didn't just attack the walls. Do you know how it started? It says King Nebuchadnezzar besieged the city. Do you know what that means? That means he surrounded the city and he did not let food, water, or supplies that they needed for life to enter in. Do you get that? This is how it always begins in our life. We, we, um, we compromise and we give in to little things. We don't obey God and we compromise. And this is the beginning of opening a door to our heart and to our soul is compromise. It always begins with compromise. And so the enemy surrounds us and we give in a little bit and it gets to a point where we give in and then we sin. James says that, you know, like, Sin gives birth after the desires, the lust, actually that word is for lust, that we give in to lust, what's already inside of us. In other words, we need to allow God to inspect the walls of our heart. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, Satan longs to sift you like wheat. Sifting isn't a bad thing because sifting actually reveals what's in our heart. We need to allow the Spirit of God to reveal what's in our heart so that God can bring healing and wholeness. In other words, he can close the gap. We've got gaps. in we got holes in our holiness. And when we allow God to have time to inspect what's going on in here, how many of us actually have taken that serious? How many of us have actually sat down with God and said, God, where am I missing it? What am I blind to? What I don't see? Where's the broken places in my life? Some of you, you know it. You know right now as I'm speaking where those broken areas are, where those broken pieces are. But here, here's what happens. This is, this is the reason some of us are dry. We don't have any life. Like you see people, other people worshiping God and you're sitting there and you're like, man, I lost the fire of God. I lost the heart of God. It begins with compromise and giving in to the desires of our heart, the lust, and we allow sin to come in. And it says that when sin comes in and we allow, it gives birth to death, to spiritual death. So we allow these things into our life. And just like this is what happens, the enemy surrounds us and he doesn't attack you right away. He waits it out. He waits till you're tired, till you're weak, till you're worn down, till you are lifeless. You got no life in you. They cut off food, water, supplies, so that you, you eventually throw up the white flag. You open up the door and say, come in. I'm done. I'm toast. I can't do this anymore. And to many of us, this is where we give in, we say, and then we hope God's grace is just gonna cover me. I can, I can repent and sin, but no. Don't be foolish. A man reaps what he sows. 
Listen, there are consequences. I don't mean to scare you and, and give you this big, heavy word, but here's what God put in my heart, because I think we need to wake up to the reality of what sin does in our life. It kills you. It will squeeze the life out of you. It will get into your heart, and it will do damage to the walls of your heart. And for many of us, we've allowed that to happen through three areas. Do not love the world or anything in the world. We have fallen in love with the glamour of this world and all it can offer. And the devil has dangled it and said, look, God's withholding from you. His commandments, his ways are restrictive. You don't want to be restrictive, do you? God's word says, don't and die, do and live. Right? Don't eat of the tree or you'll die. Do follow me. Eat off any of the other trees and you'll live. And so what we think is restrictive actually can bring us and lead us into life. Do not love the world or anything in the world. For anyone who loves the world, for the love of the Father is not in them. And then it goes on to say, do not love anything for everything in the world. Here's the entryways. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of the Lord lives forever. Three areas. It's interesting because one of the reasons God allowed, removed his hand of protection off the, off the Jewish nation is because they started intermarrying. That means they started intermingling. That means their hearts got divided. They became double-minded people. They were half in with God and half in with the gods of this world. Those three areas that John talked about, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. This is, this is pleasure, this is possessions, and this is power. These are the three areas that God, that, that excuse me, the enemy always comes at us with. It's what he came at, at Eve. Look, she saw that the, the, the fruit was pleasing to the eye. It was good for food. And it would, would make them like God, power. P pleasing to the eye, lust. Good for food, I need it. Possessions. And it would make them like God, power. Now fast forward to the second Adam when Jesus was in the desert fasting for 40 days. The enemy, the devil came to him in the same three areas. If you're God, tell these stones to turn into bread. If you're God, throw yourself off and let charge your angels. Come on, you the man. You, you hey, bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Power. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are the three entryways that the enemy uses in your life and in my life. So come on, where's, where's the gaps in your holiness? Where have you allowed your eyes to look at? See, our eyes are the gate. Jesus said it like this. He says, your eyes are the gatekeeper to the soul. If, if your eyes are dark, how great is that darkness? But if your eyes are full of light, wouldn't it lead you into life? See, man, I think we've gotten so caught up in things we're looking at, things we're watching. In fact, I would tell you, one of the greatest things that you could do right now is fast social media. Fast watching the news. Come on, we got to get a different news feed. We got to get a different news feed. Number one, we need to, I'm going to go through these real quick. Real quick with you, so right quickly. We get a different news feed. This is how our minds are renewed. This is how we close the gap. Romans 12, 2 says that don't be, um, 
don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. You see, walls are patterns. They're built in a pattern. They're, they're the daily disciplines. They're the things that we need in our life. This is the work, you guys. Come on, this is why this whole message series is called Sword and Shovel. We need to do spiritual work, but we also, there's practical things. There's actual, there's work that you and I need to do. These are the spiritual disciplines in our life that if you miss and I miss, we can miss out on the spiritual things that God wants to do. And oftentimes we miss it because, well, that's just proud we don't want to do. We just want God to change us. Listen, this is where it begins. This is how he changes us. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. My Bible says that, that a wall is, you know that um, they used to call walls that surrounded city strongholds. Strongholds also can be thought patterns uh, in our mind, things that we think about. Do you know how important it is that you get in the word of God? The word of God not only protects you, but it empowers you. It makes you alive. It builds the broken places of your life. Listen, our foundation for everything as followers of Jesus are built on the word of God. We have to be built. Our lives have to be built on the word of God with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And I don't just mean the word of God like reading scripture. It's so much bigger than that. Come on. If you go back into Jeremiah, or I'm sorry, Nehemiah chapter one, he says this in verse seven through nine. We have listened to his words. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed. There's three things here. The commands, those are the things that God is telling you to do. The decrees, also known as statutes, decrees were commands that God gave, but there was a time period associated with it. How many times has God told us something to do, but there was an expiration date attached to it? Like you had a window of time, you had a moment, you had a window of opportunity, just like God will give you a word for somebody of encouragement, and you got a window of opportunity. There's an expiration date on it. God tells us things, he gives us his word, and he expects us to obey it, and there's life in the obedience to it. The commands, the decrees, and lastly, his laws. His laws are right here in the word of God. When God says, do not, he's telling you, do not, so that you'll live. He's telling you, do not, to protect you. He's telling you, do not, so that you can build your life on the right things. And then he goes on in verse 8, remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are faithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, and then even if you are exiled people are the farthest on the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. How many of you are grateful for the promises of God in scripture that no matter where you are this morning, no matter how far you are from God, that when you choose to obey his words and put them in action in your life, and allow the words to do a good work. My Bible says that this word is alive, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing soul and spirit, and, and bringing, look at, talk about inspection, bringing to us, showing us the thoughts, even the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So when we read the word, word of God, we're not read, just reading the word of God, the word of God is reading us. 
it is, it is like the magnifying glass of the Lord looking for those broken places and areas in our life. We need it. Come on, Psalm 119, 11. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And listen to this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's the power of the word of God. This book is alive. It's powerful. Do you know that Jesus himself said that I am the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. When you open this book, you're opening up the heart of Jesus and we need the word of God to renew our minds. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. You want to know how to build the wall the right way? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that renewing of your mind happens when you allow the word of God to transform you. But we need more than the word. We got to put the word into action. You got to have faith. Faith rebuilds the broken places of our lives. Faith protects us. My Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, that, that faith is a shield that God uses in our life to protect us from all the fiery darts of the enemy. And when we allow and put our faith in action, now faith is so much more than believing the right things. We believe the right things from getting in the word of God. And some of you, some of the broken walls in some of our lives are wrong thinking. It's, it's our wrong um, way that we're seeing God and that we look at God and it's also the wrong way that we're seeing us. Some of us have built up personas and, and we have identified with the people that we think we are and God may, may need to break down some false identities in your life. It's going to take faith to do that. It's going to take faith to step out and say, God, I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to partner you with word. I'm going to put it in action. I love how this passage of Nehemiah began. It says, Nehemiah went. How many times do we get a word of God? We hear the word of God. We know what God wants us to do. Our problem isn't that we don't know what God wants us to do. Our problem is obeying it, putting it into action, stepping out in faith, doing it, actually doing something with what God spoke to us. James 1, 6 through 8 says this, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea being tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, but such a person is double-minded and unstable in all their ways. You want to know why we have gaps in our wall? Because we got one foot in believing God and one foot in doubting. And God is saying, no, if you'll go all in with me in faith and you don't doubt, if you'll just believe me that I can actually do this thing, I can do it. I like to say it like this. If faith can move mountains, unbelief can bring down walls. If faith can move mountains, unbelief can bring down the walls in our life and leave us vulnerable. The next thing we need, I'm going to go through these quickly, is prayer. Prayer is a foundation in our life. Look, you might say, oh yeah, Pastor Lance, we know that. Do you know it? Do you do it? Have you been doing it? Let me tell you, this time already has been so rich for me. I've been taking moments of stopping and praying and getting in God's presence. And there's so many things that God spoke to me already. And I can't wait for the next 14 days. When we actually take time to prayer, do you know that prayer is a sign of humility? Pride, you wanna know how to break pride in your life? Pride hardens our heart. 
Pride puts up walls between us and God. Pride puts up walls between us and our spouse and other people and relationships. And the way that pride gets break down is we pray. When we pray, we're basically saying to God, God, I need you. I'm dependent on you. When we don't pray, we're saying, God, I got this. I'm good. There's a pastor that says, make prayer your first response, not your last resort. Too many times we wait till we're in trouble to come to God. When we can't figure it out on our own, then we come to, go, come to God. I, I love, another pastor said it like this, I do everything that I can do in my power. Prayer is taking what I can do in my power and adding onto what I can do, adding the supernatural and power of God onto everything that I can do within my power. And I totally botched that, but you get the point. My, my best isn't good enough without the power and presence of God. And I need God to protect me and to strengthen me. Paul said in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, listen to this, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. Prayer, come on, give me the last, give me the last couple, and we're gonna wrap this baby up, generosity. We gotta be, generosity is a pillar. Do you know how to break the spirit of, of lust in our life? Is you give. You give to God, not only give financially, that's a tithe. That's why we give tithe. We're, we're saying, God, there's nothing that I want more than you. And I'm gonna give you my first and I'm gonna give you my very best. That's why we do Sunday. We tithe the first part of our week. Tithe isn't just monetary, it's also giving of your talents. It's also, I'm willing to be generous with my time. I'm willing to be generous with my gifts. The church, the church is another foundation to build your life on. Listen, we're about to start connect groups. Do you know what closes the, the gaps, the holiness gap? It's a thing called integrity. Integrity, the word integrity comes from integer, which means whole. If we wanna be whole people, the only way that we're gonna be whole people, God gave us the gift of the church so that you've got people surrounding you, brothers and sisters in Christ, that are there so that when we confess our sins one to another, that we can be healed, we can be set free. We need each other way more than we know. This is why we do connect groups. That's why I'm telling you, don't leave here today without getting in a connect group. Until you share with somebody else and open up to them your struggles, your gaps, and allow them to pray for you. Man, there's a principle there that we're not gonna be fully healed. We're not gonna be fully whole. The last one is this, and we're done. It's the love of God. The love of God has to be the foundation that everything else is built on. You wanna know why? Because as you inspect the walls of your life, even right now, the enemy will come like a flood and tell you, look at you. You're so messed up. How can God love you? You don't belong here. Look at your life. Look at all the broken pieces. Look at your sin. Look at all, all the, the, the brokenness in your life. Can God love that? No. You should just walk out. Some of you, it's keeping you. Some of you are watching online. That is even keeping you from coming to church. And we start to question, does God, can God really love me? And all my brokenness and all, all the, the jacked up things that I've done in my past, the holes that I have in my wall. But I'm here to declare to you as we close this morning, Romans 8, 38 through 39, for I am convinced, and you've gotta be convinced, 
because it's built on the word of God that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor present nor future nor powers neither height nor death nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you and me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord are you convinced this morning come on just stand to your feet on, just lift your hands to heaven right now. God, I pray that you come in like a flood right now. God, I pray for every broken place in our heart and in our lives, everywhere where we've let and allowed the enemy to come in. God, right now, we surrender it to you. Come on, let this be your prayer. Come on, we surrender it to you. And God, we ask you that you come in right now. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us for letting down our guard. Forgive us for compromising. Forgive us for giving in. Forgiving, forgive us for allowing the enemy to have a foothold in our life. Today, God, we declare we're closing that door. It is finished. It is done. When you declare it on the cross, it is finished. I am declaring that over myself right now, that it is finished. Every area that I've allowed that the enemy has been wreaking havoc in my life. Today, I determine and I commit myself to do the good work that you have for me, God, of repairing every area that is broken in my life, every area that I've allowed the enemy to come into. I close that door. I shut it right now in Jesus' name, and I open myself up to you and to you alone and say, God, have your way in me. Come on, move in my life. Holy Spirit, would you pour out your love upon your people? Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.